I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. I'm delighted to be joined on the virtual sofa today by Anne Shields. I'll let Anne introduce herself, uh, but I was keen to get her onto the podcast as her experience covers both delivery and more recently coaching and advising senior teams on how to ensure successful transformation. As such, I think that you'll agree she brings a different perspective to the show. Thanks for agreeing to uh, to be part of this podcast series. Um, I was really keen to get you involved, uh, especially because you have experience of both leading organisations through complex change, but then in more recent years been involved in coaching senior execs yeah. in the heart of uh, transformation and creating high-performing teams. So I think um, I'm sure the discussion will bring out many different aspects uh, that we've not covered in previous episodes. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this episode. Uh, but, but first, we always start with a little background, uh, your backstory, shall we say. And, and uh, so do you want to just tell me a little bit about your career uh, and how you got into change and transformation in the first place? Sure, sure. So thanks for inviting me to do this, Tony. Um, so my name's Anne Shields, and I now run uh, my own consulting business. So what I do now is I support senior senior leaders, um, typically business owners, C-suite, le- level below, um, either on an individual basis or increasingly with teams, actually. Um, and and a lot of the work I do is helping people through change and transformation. So whether that's at an individual level, at an organisational level or, or at a team level. So I've got a real passion for working with people through change. And I think that's been ignited from my executive career. Yeah. So if I kind of go go back to go back to that, and I've got over 30, 30 years experience in the corporate world, so far too much to bore everyone going through going through every single bit of that. But what I'll maybe do is pull out some of the salient points that I think speak to the whole change agenda, if you like. Yeah, please, yeah. So I think probably the the, the first one was um, my my background is primarily as a chief human resources officer, and I've worked in a number of different industry sectors. Um, so financial services, telecoms, retail, um, consumer goods, and I was in financial services right in the middle of the global financial crisis. So whether you want an environment to learn about change and transformation and learn it blooming quickly when you've got the eyes of the world watching you, then then that 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 yeah, was totally great. So yeah, I I had a senior HR role with HBOS at the time right. and lived through lived through that whole period, um, including the acquisition by Lloyd's Banking Group. And I actually led the integration of the Lloyds and HBOS um, insurance division from a people perspective. So that was an incredibly interesting experience, two hugely different cultures. So, you know, the classic thing on paper, they look very similar. So similar product set, similar... um, similar skills, similar similar clients, yeah. but the two organisations just could not have been more different culturally. 
No, I understand that absolutely, and uh, I think uh, my, my background is financial services as well, and um, yeah. I, I was OBS, um, right? And, um, and 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 yeah, that sort of cultural difference between a, the Scottish World Bank focus and then the English focus NatWest, yeah, um, was, was was similar. Uh, but I, I remember also uh, working with some people that had been involved in the uh, Lloyd's TSB merger yeah yeah um and 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 you know the, the feedback i've had from many people is that they never really got that right um so there was t- two completely different cultures so i'm assuming when it came to hboss then there was almost three different types of there was the hboss and then there was the lloyds and then there was the tsb group yeah and and even going back further than that tony there was when i joined hboss it was not long after the Halifax and the Bank of Scotland yeah. had come together. So it was HBOS when I joined, but still in early days. Yeah. And even several years on, people would still identify themselves as either being from the Bank of Scotland or from yeah. Halifax. And it just really, really struck me of how powerful that sense of identity is. Yeah. And if you try and ignore that or take that away from people, then you know, people will never be able to to move on and embrace and embrace what's new. So, but, but yeah. I think also if you if if you if you can embrace that, it can become really really powerful. It, it can, and you know what I've learned, I think subsequently, is there is there is a way to embrace it, um, and very often people get that wrong mm-hmm. or, or usually through very good intent because what I've seen is you know the people who are leading change have had the privilege and the advantage of probably months and months of planning for it so yeah. you know from their perspective I often use the analogy of, of running a marathon so from their perspective they've been months and months in training and we get we get to launch day or whatever it is, and they're 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 ready to be off the starting blocks. They're excited. They're sprinting ahead. They can see what the end's like. They've been well prepared for it. And then everybody else hasn't even got the trainers laced up, <laughs> and and they've been told to be really excited about this new this new thing, whatever whatever it is. And nobody's allowed them to almost grieve for mm. what they have to let go of and there's you know there's lots of research about the importance of endings yeah. and, I, and I think very often organizations in their in their desire to try and motivate and excite people spend too much time in the early days talking about the shiny new horizon mm. and not letting people acknowledge that they have to let go of something in order to go there and I yeah. think that for me that's one of the one of the big lessons I've learned through change that I've led subsequently from the HBOS one and one of the things I do a lot with teams now when I'm working with them is to encourage them just to acknowledge and let people acknowledge yeah. what it is that they need to let go of and respect and honour before they move on. And, and it's also I suppose um, taking that on an individual basis as well isn't it because some people yeah. will be ready 
they'll be they'll be wanting to jump on the train and get yeah. to the next uh, uh, next destination without a care in the world. Where others that have maybe lived and breathed the organisation for many many years will be very reticent, and and it's it's understanding that and 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 communicating in the right way to to those individual groups. Oh, absolutely, and and as human beings, we don't like change. You know, we sometimes we think we do, and we can we can get it intellectually, and we can see all of the rational arguments, but the emotional response to it is something completely different. Um, and you can't you can't help people with the emotional response mm. by presenting them with a rational argument. Mm. You have to engage where people are and Absolutely. and acknowledge that and help them along the journey. So it's 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 complex, and as yeah. you say, it's. It's multidimensional and, you know, what makes us all fascinating as human beings is we're all hugely different. <laughs> totally agree. So um, that was HBOS. Mm. Um, you were just uh, you're just telling us a little bit about your sort of career and, and uh, how your change and transformation experience grew. So what, what happened after HBOS? Yeah, so um, I, I joined Hallmark Cards after HBOS um, and I led HR for the international businesses in in Hallmark and um, we had a huge transformation program to do on the back of a um, very challenging external marketplace Um, the you know the whole category of greetings cards was under a lot of pressure Um, and and the business model hadn't really been reviewed for some time so we did a lot of work to reset the strategy to um, to review the business model. And this was a third generation family owned business where length of service was valued and, mm. you know, and there's a lot to be said for that, but equally the downside of that is people were very, very set in their ways. So, you know, but I, I really resonated with what you said about some people really being ready and willing and wanting to embrace the change and others feeling very threatened by it Um, and we had a real mix of that and then you also overlaid the the different cultural aspects of of the the global the global aspect of it as well so you had you know different different and I don't like putting people in boxes because the, we don't belong in boxes, but there are some, you know, national differences in how in, in how people yeah. were reacting as well. So yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting that you bring up the, uh, the subject of family business though, because uh, I'm doing quite a bit of work in the consulting practice um, um, around sort of family owned businesses and the complexities oh. um, that um, overlay um, a family-owned business against any other type of business, and I was talking to someone the other day, and um, and they were saying that um, the grandson um, had started to engage with them to um, take the family business on a digital transformation um, mm-hmm. for all the right reasons, mm-hmm. uh, but um, the grandfather who set the business up was still involved, heavily involved, and almost had a right of veto. Um, yeah. so, so, so this guy was in his late eighties, and the concept of digitalization was was like, uh, what, 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 what are we talking about? 
Um, and, um, and 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 a grandson with that is has been pulling his hair out because you know he knows, and and the sort of second generation people know it's what they need, but the the, the founder um, and and the sort of uh, you know the, the 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 overall sort of leader of the business just wasn't buying into it. Uh, and 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 it was uh, it's having a big impact upon the performance of that business. Yeah, in fact, family businesses are fascinating because the dy- the complexity of the dynamics that and, and some of which are seen, many of which are not seen, yeah, yeah. Um, are are really really challenging, um, interesting, challenging, and uh, in my experience. You have to be very, very sensitive in how you in in how you tackle them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So, so we talked about the um, obviously H um, boss in banking, and then moved into um, a hallmark, completely different sector. Mm. <laughs> and and yes, we've we, you know we've spoken about the, the the added complexity of the global aspects of that and, and the family side. But culturally, you know, did you see much differences between? You know those two sectors in in the way that they were looking at change in and the transformation agenda. It hugely, and you know, I've also worked in in other sectors as well. And it, what I've had the privilege of working, I guess, like you, Tony, in lots of different sectors. And what strikes me is there are lots of similarities, more similarities than you would expect. And the similarities are probably down to the human side of it and how humans react yes. um, to, to change. Um, the differences of the organisational context and the culture around them and how, yeah. how it, that human reaction will be accepted or not or how it lands within the broader culture. So I think what I... What I saw in in Hallmark was a real fear of change on the whole, mm-hmm. um, and and this real this real sort of dichotomy between understanding all of the commercial realities, but not just not being sure what that meant for from for individuals and yeah. not being confident about what what a new what a new model, what a new strategy could look like. Yeah. And I think uh, one of the features I found a lot with family-owned businesses is they, they, they tend to be quite paternalistic. Mm. So an almost a reticence to be really honest about what needed to happen and why it needed to happen meant that the people still didn't really get the compelling reason. So in a desire to try and protect people in yeah. many ways, while the intent is one thing, the impact can be quite the opposite. Yeah, yeah totally understand. Yeah. Whereas in, you know, in the banking world, it was much more, it was much, you know, as you know, it was much more direct. It was much more cutthroat almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and it was almost one extreme to the other, actually. And as in many cases with life, the right the right answer tends to lie somewhere in the middle uh, agreed and and um, I, I have this conversation quite frequently about uh, whether or not it's better for someone who's leading the change um, to be um, sector experienced or actually some someone that's like yourself just moved from one set to the other 
having a real understanding of what it takes to take organizations through change you know what, what's your perception on that um, i know personally i i know what mine is but what, 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 what what's yours around whether or not it's better for someone to have massive amount of industry knowledge or someone who's completely new into into the industry driving change I think my first reaction to that, Tony, would be it's never about one person. So it would be who do you have around you and do you have the right skills and experience and diversity of voices around the table? Mm -hmm. So if the leader is coming from the sector, I would think it's incredibly important that he or she surrounds themselves with people who can have a... Uh, a freshness of uh, 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 but to make sure that they're willing to listen to it and that's it's okay surrounding yourself with the right people but you've got to be prepared to listen to it and I think the converse would be true so if the leader is from outside the sector make sure that they're they have people around them who have got some depth of experience and and it's yeah, that, that, that would be my... Yeah, it leads me on to another thought, but I'd be interested in your perception. No, I, was going, I was just going to say, it, it's, it, it absolutely agrees. It's, it's important to have that diversity around that table, that's, yeah. you know, that team that's leading that, that change. And um, I, the, the point that you were saying about people having to um, be prepared to listen. Yeah. But, but I think equally, it's having people around that table who are prepared to challenge. Um, and and because you need both, and um, and, yeah. and and that and that's uh, all too often, especially with a again in a family business that that can be quite challenging. A non-family member challenging a family member, um, um, if they if they feel that it's they're going down the wrong route. I absolutely, absolutely agree, and and it also just prompted my thinking about one of the other things I've learned um, along the journey is whether it's as a result of an acquisition, whether it's new, you know new teams you put together during change or post change. We sometimes people and organisations have a tendency to think that if you get the right individuals and put them together in a team, then because you've got the right individuals, some kind of magic is going to happen all by itself. And these fantastic individuals are going to just gel and work together as a team. And it just doesn't happen, or very, very rarely. And I, I think a lot of the work I'm starting to do now is to help to accelerate the performance of the team by just putting in some intentional interventions to encourage the team not just to dive straight into the work but to think about how they're going to work and how they're going to you know to your point get the right amount of challenge support the voices heard properly working collaboratively and not off in silos how they make decisions, how they deal with challenges, how they have disagreements. And and all of that needs work and intention. And it's one of the things that I, it saddens me when I see teams saying they don't have time to do that because actually you don't have time not to do it. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a false economy, isn't it? It's uh, because it'll come back and bite you. Um, somewhere yeah. along the lines, and often many, many times. Um, so it takes it takes uh, the program gets um, extended and extended because you haven't 
had those really direct conversations, in some cases indirect conversations up front to get everything on the table and have a consistent and, and common understanding of how you're taking things forward. Uh, I, I sort of, uh, I'm a big sporting fan and, and uh, I always use the analogy of a football team or a rugby team. If, if you have a, a team of 11 superstars, unlikely that that team will win because the egos will get in the way because you Absolutely. need people. You need, and, and, and I always find the, the, the cycling teams uh, are, are the, the best to, to look at because they're, they're, they have a team um, that will have one or two leaders who will, if, they, if they're going to win the Tour de France, there will be one or two in that team that will, will win it. There'll be a leader and then there'll be a, a backup. Yeah. And then the rest of the team, they call themselves domestiques, and they are just there to yeah. feed and, and protect and and and, put, and and deliver that 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 leader uh, of the team in the right place to 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 win the uh, to, to 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 win the uh, to win the race. And uh, I think there's a, there's lessons that business can use from that sort of approach. I, I think that is a really great analogy, Tony, and. Just to build on that, the other thing that that team would have is they would all be totally and completely aligned behind a common goal. And, yeah. the, you know, the vision, everyone would have exactly the same. Because that's the other thing that I find sometimes in change, that with a group of people, everyone has their own spin mm. on what this means and why they're doing it. And sometimes not enough time is spent to get everyone properly on the same page and properly heard about about what you know where what the destination is what the goal is um so that you know that's when conflict and confusion can arise in yeah, the yeah. organization I, as well and i i find that's when politics um within organizations start to um come into play where personal ambitions and personal agendas um, and start to conflict with the overall organisation agenda and, 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 and vision, um, and that's that's where the frustration comes in. I suppose certainly from my perspective, that's why I left corporate life many years ago. Yeah, just had enough of that politics. Yeah, and it's just such a. I mean, look, politics are always going to exist when you have groups of people together. It's when it becomes destructive and when you look at the amount of energy that's disproportionately spent and and you know very often it's because people don't have the right conversations in the right way mm. that's right and I, and I think that's coming back to the sort of transformation space um, that's critical that you have those conversations with the key stakeholders to yeah. really understand what their agenda is and how the change can either support or if it doesn't support their personal agenda, what are we going to do about it? Yeah, as you say, right up front, so that you've got everything on the table, yeah. um, and and you'll never get everything on the table. So there'll always be surprises as you go along, but if you can get most of the mail up front, at least you're in a better place. Yeah, if you can create a climate where that sort of dialogue is encouraged and respected, and you can create a space where it's where it's okay and you know where there's where where those conversations can happen it yeah. it can save a huge amount of time and money down the line absolutely so so you you moved out of um taking responsibility for delivering 
transformation and change in a in an executive capacity into um, now as you, as we said earlier coaching and supporting senior leaders um, to drive their change agenda. Mm-hmm. How, how have you had to adapt your style to to make that transition? Um, I had to learn to be a coach and not a leader, and it's very very different. Mm. So. You know, I, as most executive coaches do, went away and did a lot of personal development work, a lot of a lot of training to do that. And it's been an interesting transition because I think at first I was quite purist and went, you know, to after having done my coach training, and it's very easy to. To, to to go into a purer space and say, you know, I, I mustn't bring in my own perspective, et cetera, et cetera. And I had a real aha moment with a, with a coach supervisor I was working with once. And he said to me, what are you doing, Anne? You've got 30, 30 plus years of really valuable corporate experience. Why are you denying your clients the opportunity of hearing some of that? And it was just like permission to combine both that experience and, and the coaching skills. And, and I think I found a way of navigating that. All, you know, always in discussion with my client, what is it they really want? And we're, you know, we're always talking about, you know, would you, like, would you like me to offer some insight here or would you like me to facilitate your thinking? And sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the other. But I think having you know having experience and confidence in the coaching world I think you find you find the right balance you know at first I probably went too far too far in the other direction and and I'm also a non-executive director so you know it's good that I can also bring some of my experience around the board table there as well yes yeah yeah and and that's again that's a a different perspective again isn't it it's 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 that challenge and uh, and and probing aspects of that to to ensure that the, the exec teams are delivering against their agreed agenda, um, um, and that's again slightly different than, as you say, a sort of traditional coaching approach, which will be more facilitative and um, and uh, as you say, helping them to come up with their own answers rather than challenging them against the answers that they're they're, they're, they're providing. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's great. It's great wearing, you know, well, I enjoy it anyway. It wouldn't be for everyone, but I enjoy wearing the different hats. So so of all the programmes you've been involved in then, um, which have you found the most interesting? Mm. And, and that could be both as during the leading um, elements in, in parts of your career or, 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 you know, the stuff that you're doing now. I think I think probably the the hallmark one just because it's, it's a really difficult question that because there's bits of all of them that I find really interesting. Yeah, I think yeah. probably the hallmark one because of the you know if I can say the relative inexperience of the of the organization in 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 embracing and leading transformational change so it wasn't a well-trodden path they didn't have a lot of leaders who knew how to do this 
So, and then you add the, you know, all of the other complexities that we talked about earlier. So when all of that converges and, you know, not, not a whole load of expensive consultants and resources like, you know, the, the HBOS loads yeah. one would have had, um, that made it really, really interesting. And, and I'm still working, um, you know, do, doing different things, but still still working as a, as a consultant now rather than within the organisation. So okay. it's something that I've been able to see over oh, quite great. an extended period, which is, which is also really rewarding, actually, when you can see some of that change. But, but yeah, that was, that was interesting and challenging. Yeah. So, so within Hallmark, then, um, what were you? What were some of the major um, successes that you experienced there? And and just you know, can you just talk us through how they came about? You know, some of the key lessons, I suppose. Yeah. So I think some of the key lessons were, you know, the the, the piece that I spoke about earlier about recognizing how to take people on the journey mm-hmm. um, and we you know we did a we really invested in in internal communications nice. but not as a download top-down message which perhaps might have been the approach before so we really thought about how do we engage people and th- you know this this was a creative company so you had to do it in a really creative way. So, you know, we were talking about cost at one point and we actually brought in um, trolley loads full of greetings cards and we, you know, we we brought it to life for people in a very visual way. And, yeah. and we also, we, we created... Um, we 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 created a storyboard and let people draw pictures and you know we 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 thought about what type of people are we working with where are they starting from yeah. what's the best way that they're going to engage with this so somebody standing up with you know with with a bunch of numbers and it, it just wasn't going to work I mean yeah. you know it may do if you. If you, you know, if you talk, if, if you're in a different kind of environment, you, you might dial that up a bit more, but we had to dial that down and we had to find a way of engaging that worked with the profile of the, of the workforce. And we had, we had to let them get, you know, we had to encourage them to be involved. Yeah. And there was something think, about the two-way dialogue as well. Yeah. I think that's really powerful though, isn't it? Because we've we've had lots of conversations in in previous episodes about the need to engage with people yeah um um but i would say a lot of organizations when they look to engage will have meetings they'll have facilitated discussions they'll have round tables mm-hmm. and it'll all be quite staid traditional yeah. Um, but as you say, just bringing in different ways, looking at things in a different, in, 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 with a different sort of uh, lens or a different perspective, and getting them, but they probably didn't even at, at some stage think that that was part of the change progress. Exactly. You were just taking them on and doing stuff that they would naturally be getting involved with anyway. And I think that's quite powerful. Yeah, there's something about ongoing two-way dialogue. And not not the set piece stuff, 
and it's really tough especially when you've got a large organization because yeah. um, people it, see through that don't they they see um, if, if it's just if, if it's just like a static type of approach they see through it they know that actually you're just engaging but you've probably already got the clear vision about what you are you going to take this forward so let's just cut to the chase and tell us what you're going to do to us type of stuff yeah yeah exactly exactly i think you know transparency and authenticity are really really important and you know there were times when we stood up and said you know we, we said we would engage every two weeks or whatever it was actually we haven't got anything else to tell you uh, there's nothing changed yeah. since last week but the worst thing you can do is cancel a meeting yeah so you just say we haven't got anything to tell you so what would you like to ask us yeah 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 because if you cancel the meeting and um, then this people start thinking, well, what's going on? As, as, as in, have we, have we, are we going down a different route now? They don't want to tell us. And, and all of that, you, you can't stop the conversation, can you? No. You can, you can, you can sort of uh, leave the conversation, but you can't stop the conversation. No. Uh, because people will, people will have a conversation themselves and it'll be off agenda. There's a wonderful story, if I can indulge myself for a no, moment. No, absolutely, yeah. From my age boss days, which which I tell quite a lot because it really brings it to life for me. And it was at the time when a number of, you know, cost was going out of the business, sites were, some sites were being closed down. So there was a real sense of fear and anticipation in in many places. And one of the, um, one of the call centers um, had one of the most brilliant leaders um, leading it. He was really superb. His staff loved him, it was fantastic. He, he had gone down on a Sunday morning to the swimming pool with, um, with, his, with, his, um, with his toddler and gone in, got changed, got, did, you know, took, took his toddler swimming, went into work on Monday morning. And on Monday morning, there was, there was three or four people outside his door and said, right, come on, level with us. We're going to close, aren't we? I went, what? <laughs> Where did that come from? And they said, well, we saw you. In, um, in the swimming pool on, on Sunday morning and you couldn't even look us in the eye, you didn't say hello. And he, he said he'd been up all night with a new baby, he'd taken his toddler out swimming because his wife was trying to get a bit of rest. He was absolutely exhausted. He genuinely didn't see them. Yeah. But because he hadn't said hello, all by, by Monday morning, this had got to the point of... Yeah. Because he didn't speak to us, they must be closing the site. And it just, you know, that the the unintended consequences of, and you Absolutely. know the whole sense of the the shadow of the leader and how people look for any tiny little thing. And you yeah. know, as you say communication is everything because people will fill the gaps themselves. And and that was just utterly crazy. But it's it's how how people felt. No, I agree, uh, and, and it takes me back to um, I was on I was on LinkedIn last night, and um, a, a colleague, ex colleague, some twenty five years ago, we, we worked together, and he put this um, um, note up. He was doing a presentation today, and he was talking about, and it's been talking about um, um, people that have influenced him in the past. And he, yeah. he, he referred back to this guy that we both worked with probably 25, 30 years ago and, and used a quote. And um, 
it was a guy called Mike Geecock. He's been on one of the episodes uh, yeah. a, a, a few months ago. And, and, and he, he, he came up with a phrase that he uses often is, if I remember it correctly now, um, nobody, no, nobody cares about what you know until they know that you care. And and that stayed with all of us that work with Mike. And and um, but it, again, going back to that story that you were just saying, that, that that guy obviously cared about his team. And the fact that as a one-off, it appeared that he wasn't caring about them. It, it suddenly it, it came across as yeah. well. Something must be amiss. Yeah, it's, it's 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 it is interesting that sort of as you say that that the, the role of the leader in taking the team on that journey and engaging with the team and and, and yeah. embracing that that process is, is absolutely critical. It's hugely important, and, and and another another phrase that I that 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 I like to remember is you know the one I may not remember what you said, but I'll always remember how you made me feel. Yes. Great. So, you know, again, people can stand up with a whole load of PowerPoint slides and, you know, nine times out of ten, people won't won't take it on board, they won't remember it, but the way in which you interact with them, they'll yeah. remember that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, it, and it is that, that power of the story as well, isn't it? And, yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and as you say, the, the, the great speeches in, the, in, in, in history. Yeah. Um, it's not what they said. In many times, it's how they've said it, and it and it's the emotion that it's uh, it's, it's it's sort of engendered within you that that you you remember. It's not necessarily the words, but it's the emotion, isn't it? That you, you okay. remember. Yeah. Blimey, that's that got a bit deep. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Changes. <people. laughs> it is absolutely, absolutely. So, um, obviously, we've been talking quite a lot about engagement and taking people on a journey. What what other elements do you think are absolutely vital to have in place to um, drive successful change? Yeah, I think I think having a clear having a clear plan but being acknowledging that that plan will, will need to change mm-hmm. um, and and sharing as much of that with with people as possible being ha- having some clear measures of success and and communicating what they are and mm-hmm. celebrating them along the way yeah. is really important because change is a big hairy monster and you know, you you could arguably say you never get there. So, what are the what what are the measures of success, and how do you celebrate them? How do you learn? Is the other thing as well because things aren't always going to go right. Yeah. So, when mistakes are made, which they will be made, um, acknowledge it, take the learning from it, and and move on. Now, the same mistake keeps getting made over and over again. That's a different matter. But but I think you have to let people experiment. You have to let people know it's okay that things you know things we're not going to get it right all the time. Yeah. Um, and because yeah, if you if you run through something that you get it right hundred percent of the time, you've not really pushed the envelope, have you? No. You, it, it's uh, you, you've you've taken the safe option every time. It's yeah. you re- you really have to embrace mistakes. And, yeah. and as you say, you know if they keep happening. 
yeah, that, that's a different story. But let's embrace them, let's learn from them, and let's move on because that's when you know you are really pushing the envelope. Absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, finding a way of celebrating when when successes, when you have successes, and share sharing that in a way that 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 is meaningful. Yeah, um, and it doesn't have to be big, does it? It doesn't. No. It doesn't have. To, it doesn't have to be a massive celebration. Sometimes no. it, it, it's simply a case of tapping someone on the shoulder and saying that's a really good good job there or, or sending you know I, I, I've uh, I remember uh, again going back into the bank days but just getting a little postcard from the director of the uh, the, the the division that I was working in just saying yeah that you, you did really well there it's yeah. like wow he's he's recognized me he's yeah. seen me I'm not just a and another sort of number on his on his in, in, in his in his operation type of stuff that, that can be really really powerful for people yeah it can really powerful really powerful and I think also just being getting people aligned behind you know what 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 the what the interim goals and steps are um so that so that I think sharing as much information as you can, yeah. overshare rather than undershare. You know, obviously within whatever um, constraints you're operating under, because there'll always be commercial constraints that you have to be aware of. But sharing as much as you can is yeah. is really important. And also the other thing is, don't throw away the baby with the bathwater. There will be things about about how how the organisation's operating now that you want to honour and hold on to. Yeah. And I think being upfront about that and letting people know, you know, it's not that we're trying to erase history. We're not trying to um, say that what went before was in any way bad. It's just usually the context's changed and the challenges are different. So I think being respectful and honouring what's gone before and acknowledging what you need to let go of and why yeah. and what you choose to hold on to and why and being overt about that is really important totally uh, we, we we always finish these uh, episodes with um what's your one takeaway we've spoken quite a lot about engagement but is the, is is that the is that the one takeaway or, or um you know is there, is there something else that you think you know what the one thing that you know will, will really make a difference to people in delivering change and transformation within organizations what 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 would you say that that one takeaway should be authentic dialogue what do you mean by that i mean at every level so at the level of the people at the board and running the change having having those discussions that might be challenging they might be supportive that whatever but being having proper proper conversations and not being frightened to challenge not being frightened to fail dialogue at that level and then dialogue from an engagement perspective throughout throughout the organization so listening and dialogue i i just that that would be that would be my my biggest takeaway i think excellent well thank you very much that was really really good uh, I, I think like i said we've covered off 
a, a number of areas now at a much deeper level than we have in previous ones, which yeah. I, which I, I expected to refer from, as, as we said right at the start. So thank you very, very much for your time. Um, if anyone has any questions, are you happy to, to engage with them? More than happy and uh, really enjoyed the conversation, Tony. So thank you. All right, Bill. Cheers. Thanks, then. Well, Anne, thanks once again. The time has simply flown by. Really interesting discussion that I'm sure you'll all agree and brings a completely different perspective to uh, the other people that we've had on the uh, pod so far. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to the podcast and leave us a comment and a rating. It helps to get the message out to more people and the more people that understand how to deliver successful transformation, the better in my book. The Transformation Leaders Hub continues to prosper and we are in the process of launching a new platform with even more ways for you to interact with your peers. Check it out by clicking on the link in the show notes. See you in a couple of weeks.